verse number 23. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. I want to help us tonight give a foothold to some who may be dealing with circumstances and situations in life. Life sometimes is not fair, and many times we postpone some things that we should have dealt with. And that has a way over the course of time, creating a lot of situations and circumstances that can keep us from being what we need to be. And then when we are faced with those confrontations, it becomes very, very difficult. It can be very debilitating. And so tonight, I, I want to help somebody get a foothold in what they are facing and dealing with. And the scripture helps us so very, very much. Acts chapter 4, verse 23, we'll, we'll read a portion here. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David hast said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness, they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. For a few moments tonight, I want to speak to you on one word. And that is empowerment. Everyone say empowerment. Empowerment. I want to speak to you about empowerment. Thanks to uh, Brother John DeArmond, who's been working diligently down here to help us out with these chairs over here. These are great chairs. Uh, and we're still trying to adjust to them. Bishop can sit in them perfectly because he has long legs. Brother Brock, if he was to sit like the chair is designed, it would look funny. Uh, I sit on the edge, but then everybody else got lost behind them. And so we created some risers so that we could see everybody, now that we can see everybody. So now it feels like we have, uh, we have the Supreme Court justices, and now we've got a jury box over here. Okay. <laughs> we got a jury box. Uh, and since the, the devil is the accuser of the brethren, I'm going to be the judge tonight and declare sentencing on him because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So that's a little work and effort to do that and do it in a way where we could get those out very easily. They're not very heavy. Thank you very much, Brother John DeArmond, for that uh, contribution. Amen. Empowerment. God bless you. You can be seated. The context of this chapter Chapter 3 is a lame man met Peter and John as they went up to the temple at the ninth 
at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And there was a lame man from his mother's womb that was laid daily at the gate of the temple called Beautiful, and he asked alms of them. And Peter fastened his eyes upon this lame man and said, Look on us. And he said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This man leaped up. He stood, he walked, he entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw this, and it astonished the onlookers. There was a great commotion. People recognized this man and what he had done. And so this caused certain of the temple and the Sadducees and the priests to come to Peter and John and the disciples, and they were grieved. They were grieved because of what had been done. They put them into jail until the next day, and then when they gathered them together, they wanted to know exactly by what power or by what authority have you done this, and they wanted to stop a move of God and a revival that was taking place. This is the context of the passage of Scripture that we have read. So there was opposition, there was great concern, and there's several nuggets in this chapter 4 that is absolutely phenomenal. I will not say familiar, I will say phenomenal. One of those phenomenal passages of Scripture in this discourse is when Peter, in chapter 4 and verse number 12, when he was talking about the power of Jesus, he said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So if you're wondering how we did this, we did this through the power of Jesus. You crucified him, you put him in a tomb, but he's not in a tomb, he's a living God. And it's the same power that we're preaching and teaching that has raised up this man and brought healing to him. There is no other name, there is no greater name. It is the greatest name. There is no power that is greater, he is sovereign. And so that is a, that's a fantastic passage of scripture. Another one is in the, the latter part of it, verse number 18 and verse number 20. They called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge you. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. There is no way that you can close off our mouths. We're going to open up and testify about God's goodness and his greatness. We have seen him do great things and mighty miracles. Hallelujah. And there is no way that we can keep it shut up. It's going to come out. Is that your testimony here tonight? God has done great things in my life. There is no way I can close my mouth and stop talking about the goodness of the Lord. Hey, if he saved you, if he baptized you in his name and he's filled you with the Holy Ghost, why wouldn't you tell somebody? There is a great power that is associated with a name that is above every name. I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to sing about Jesus. I'm going to praise God about Jesus. Praise God. I'm going to encourage others. Because there's power in the name. Amen. This is the first occurrence of persecution to the early church on the other side of Calvary. Jesus took the brunt of the punishment before. But now they, the disciples, are the recipients of opposition. 
And that opposition was a great opposition. This is the first time that we read about opposition and persecution facing the early church. And so they have a decision to make. Are they going to align themselves with the trajectory that God is wanting to take them, which is through the path of suffering? Or are they going to become intimidated and influenced by those that are trying to shut them down? They have a decision to make. And so this is the first occurrence that we see of opposition and difficulty. This is a giant problem. There has been a move of God. 3,000 were added to the church. And so there is a movement in the church. But now the priests, the Sadducees, and the captain of the temple and the people are trying to shut down revival. And so they are impaired. It's an abnormal situation because it is a normal situation that the Holy Ghost is supposed to move. This is an abnormal situation. There is obstacle obstacles in their life. There is unhealthy behavior that comes as an obstacle in their way. And the early church knew early on that to deal with that, they needed something that was greater than themselves. You can only get so far under your own willpower. There is something to be said about willpower. Some people have done exploits in history under their own willpower. But by and large, as it pertains to salvation and the things of God, you cannot get there on your own. It is not going to happen. You need something greater than yourself to help you through the obstacles, to help you through the opposition, to help you through the abnormal behavior. Life is full of abnormalities, but God wants to get us on a normal path going in a right direction, not a direction of dysfunction, but a direction of healing. And there's going to be some obstacles that stand in your way. You're going to have to make up in your mind and make a decision. I'm going to follow Jesus through this. I may be going through hell in the valley, but I'm following him through this. I know I can't do it on my own, but I know that he's faithful and I know that he's going to walk with me. And so I'm going to trust in him. Praise God. I'm going to trust in him. Thank you, Sister Comer. I know you faced some obstacles. I know you've battled some battles, but you've walked through them because you recognize it's not within my power, but there is one that is greater. There's a rock that is higher than I. I'm not leaning to my own understanding, but I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to stretch my faith out, and when my faith goes as far as it can, I'm going to trust in him. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands. He said, I'll be faithful to you. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. But I'll walk with you. You can only go so far on your own. They recognized at this moment, facing opposition, a gargantuan problem, impaired in their ability to move forward, unhealthy behavior breaking out, Man, they went and they prayed and they had a prayer meeting and the Holy Ghost fell and they spake the word of God with boldness. Let me just stop there before I get to these other verses. 
when you need a boldness to speak the word of God boldly, find yourself a prayer meeting and say, God, I want the Holy Ghost to renew me, refill me, give me the power and the ability to move forward. This is what they did. The place was shaken where they were assembled together. They had another upper room experience. That upper room experience was historical in the fact that it was held in the upper room and it happened one time. But the renewing of the Holy Ghost, the work of the Holy Ghost is not a one-time event in a building somewhere that has significance in history. But beyond that room, there's an upper room, there's a prayer room here, there's a prayer closet. The Holy Ghost can fall on you anywhere. Praise God. It can fall on you in your car. It can fall on you in your home. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Listen to me. I know sometimes people get a little uncomfortable with this, with what I'm saying, but I'm trying to encourage you. Don't talk in tongues just once a year. Don't talk in tongues once every three years. Don't, don't make it to where it's such an effort to break through the sound barrier of the spirit. Every opportunity you get and every time the Holy Ghost is moving, break through and speak in tongues and say, God, this is what you gave me. Your anointing, your spirit, it is a gift. Hallelujah. I'm going to let it flow in my life. Praise God. Now, I need, I need to say something here. I need to say a qualifying statement here because there are some people that can speak in tongues at the drop of a hat, and yet the action and the ability of the Spirit is not operating because on Sunday you can do that, and Monday you're acting like the devil. That's a problem. You haven't really connected, and you haven't really understood what the power of the Spirit is all about. When you talk in tongues and the Holy Ghost is moving through you, it's a catalyst to change you. You shouldn't live the same way Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then come talk in tongues on Sunday. There's a disconnect somewhere because the Holy Ghost that fills you should be something that empowers you. That's the qualifying statement because I know there's some that you're sincere, you're faithful, you live for God, you pay your tithes and offerings, you're committed, and yet it doesn't seem to come as easy for you to break through that. Praise God. I'm not, I am not going to marginalize you. You're a child of God. You're a, you're, a, you're a son and daughter of God. Don't limit your experience in God, but at the same time, keep pursuing the infilling of the Holy Ghost in your life. And don't get discouraged and just stop because you say, well, that's just, I don't know what the deal is. Keep pursuing that. Keep saying, God, I want you to fill me with the Holy Ghost. I want to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. This is a delicate situation, but I want you to know something. God knows where you are. He sees your faithfulness, and he wants to work in your life. You've got to open up and let him. And the greatest illustration that I can think of is, is Steve Yeager going up and break the set. Steve Yeager? Chuck Yeager. Steve Yeager was a baseball player. <laughs> Steve Yeager was a Los Angeles Dodger. <clears throat> I remember that from way, way, way back. Chuck Yeager. Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier. And when he broke the sound barrier, it had never been done before. 
And so historically, it was a big thing. But do you think that he stopped there? Chuck Yeager would go to all kinds of events and air shows, and he would go up there, and he would do it again and again and again. He did it, I think, until he was like over 80 years of age. You know why? Because something happened in that aeronautical experience that he wanted to go back and do it over and over and over again. When the Holy Ghost comes in your life, it's not a one-off walk-off. It is something that should happen in your life continuously through your life. Some of you, we've had this discussion, and you say, I really don't know what the situation is. I've seen you speak in the Holy Ghost, so I know that it's there. you got to keep pursuing that. Amen. Don't let the enemy get on your shoulder and condemn you. Praise God. You just keep coming to the house of God. Keep being faithful. Keep letting God work through you. Praise God. I'm upset at the devil because the devil likes to criticize and downplay your experience. If you got the Holy Ghost, it's something of value to you. Whoa, I haven't used that in a long time. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. The early church knew we... <laughs> We can't do this on our own. We have to have something to deal with this. And so throughout Scripture, Paul puts himself in the categories of an apostle. John was there as a disciple. And they give to us words from the Scripture like 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. What did he do? He anointed us. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20. But you have an unction from the Holy Ghost, and you know all things. That unction of the Holy Ghost is the anointing of God. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things and is truth and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. And these passages of scripture, I just picked out three here. There was a necessity of the anointing of God. It was obvious and imperative to them that they needed the anointing of God. If we're going to face this giant, we need the anointing of God. If we're going to face persecution, we need the anointing of God. And this is true for each and every one of us. If you're in a valley, you need the anointing of God. If you're on the mountaintop and God has blessed you, you need the anointing of God to stay humble and stay in the thick of things and be committed. No matter where you are in life, if you face some things in your past, in your childhood, things haven't, haven't measured up the way that you would have liked them to be. If you could go back and change them, you would, but you can't do it. You need the anointing of God. It's going to take the anointing of God that is greater than who you are. And the anointing of God is going to help you through every opposition and obstacle and difficulty and without the anointing of God you're not gonna make it you're not going to be an overcomer but if the anointing of God is operating in your life you can do exploits in the kingdom of God you can overcome your fears and difficulties and insecurities and anxiety and stress and depression if the anointing of God is operating in your life
Woo! Somebody just let out a war cry here in the house of God. You need the anointing of God to operate in your life. Now, let's get to the meat of what I'm trying to say here tonight. I'm talking about empowerment. It was obvious and imperative to them to have the anointing of God because without it, there would be no power to overcome anything. Empowerment, empowerment really is derivative or found in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 by Jesus' own words. The disciples asked him, Lord, wilt thou at this time come to restore again the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. That's a powerful scripture for people that want to put a date on the return of Christ. And it, it, Jesus said right here, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. But he said in verse number eight, he said, this, is, this should be your focus. But you shall receive power. Everyone say power. <laughs> power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Power, that comes from a word that is a Greek word that means dunamis. And so in its general term, it means strength, power, the ability to do anything. So that's, that's generally the definition. If you go to a lexicon, if you go to a Greek lexicon, Hebrew or Greek lexicons, what they're going to do with a word like this, you shall receive power, dunamis. What they're going to do is they're going to look at the word as it was used in that time frame, that context. And so in many cases, they'll give you the biblical reference and they'll give you the biblical understanding of the word. But then they'll also point out other documents that are known in which the word is used in other documents. And so you, you can, and from that, you can get a broader understanding of how the word was used and what it, what it means. And this is, a, word study is very, very important. As a matter of fact, I did not know, Brother Cosme, your message that you preached on God has not given to us the spirit of fear, my understanding was of the connotation of fear as in fearful of something, not timidity. That was powerful he, because the loss of confidence is what he was really striking at. So word studies are very, very important. So when you look at dunamis, generally it means strength, power, ability to do anything. But there are some other um, definitions that might help us understand a little more about what Jesus was saying when he told them this, the disciples, before they made their way to the upper room. The power that he was talking to could be power, might. In some cases, it means bodily strength, outward power, influence, authority. Um, but, and this one's very, very fascinating. It means force for war or forces, a power, a certain quantity. If you wrap all of that together, that, that anointing or that power or that spirit is to be an empowerment. The Holy Ghost 
is to empower you, strengthen you, give you the ability to do anything, give you the ability or the force for war to stand up against forces, give you the influence and the authority to speak to those things that would come to you in opposition. This is very, very important. So you, you can't do things on your own. You need the anointing of God. And, and the way the throughput for the anointing of God operates through the vehicle of the spirit or the anointing of God. Praise God. So you need the Holy Ghost to empower you to do the things that you need to do. You cannot overcome on your own. It is not within your own capacity. Why is this important? This is very, very important because sometimes we want the Spirit of God to solve all of our problems. We come and we pray and we ask that God would, would transform the situation such that we wouldn't have to deal with any anymore or somehow that it would go away. Listen, there are some things that, are, that have happened in your life that are not going to go away. It is just like some things in your past. I would love to go back and I would love to scrub some things from my past, but I can't do that. They're there. It's in my memory. And so I've got to learn from those things and be empowered to move forward rather than hoping somehow that the Holy Ghost is just going to do that for me. That, that, now, there may be situations and cases in which God through the Spirit can do that. But by and large, from what I see in the Scripture, that's not the way it works. The Holy Ghost is given to us to empower us to face the difficulties in our life. Not that the Holy Ghost is going to snatch them away, take care of them completely. But we're going to have to do some hard work. And we're going to have to take some responsibility to say, wait a minute, I know what's facing me and I know what I'm dealing with and I know that I can't do it on my own but I've got something with me that is greater than who I am that can help me in these difficult times face some things that are devilish face some things that are anti-Christ and I can get through it because of the empowerment of the Holy Ghost not that it's going to be a miraculous thing that's gone from me but it is going to be a miraculous thing because I'm going to come through it there, there are some, there's some people sitting on these church pews. It's a miraculous thing that you're even here. It's a miraculous thing that you even believe in God because of what has been done to you. But you're in the house of God because of the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, you can't do it on your own, but Jesus can help you. Jude said, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless, faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. He's able to keep you from falling. Young people, I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them he is able to keep you from falling. Praise God. He is able to keep Keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Verse number 26, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we think or ask according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Another, amen. Amen. 
And 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 18, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Another amen. Amen, amen, amen. Every single one of them has this to say. God is able to keep you. God is able to sustain you. God is able to empower you. Praise God. He can keep you from every evil work. He's going to preserve you into his heavenly kingdom. And for that reason, we ought to give him praise because nothing else can do what Jesus can do. If you're worried about whether or not you can make it, you need to lean on Jesus. You can make it. Hallelujah. If you're worrying, I don't know if I can live this life. Yes, you can live this life because Jesus is walking with you. Amen. I'm, I'm coming to a close here tonight. So we need the anointing of God. We cannot overcome on our own. And we cannot think that the anointing solves the problem without personal responsibility. And that right there is the crux of the it's the crust, it's the crux interpreter. <laughs> it's the hinge of everything that we're saying here. <clears throat> Let's look at, just for the sake of illustration, the scripture said, now these things were written for our examples. And that's talking about the Old Testament. And so if we go back to the Old Testament, we can look at some examples with individuals that did not have the Holy Ghost. They had the anointing of God. They had the anointing of God on them in a, a measure for maybe a particular time, but not an infilling of the Holy Ghost. And it was the Old Testament. Holy Ghost had not been poured out. It was just God's spirit, and it was more connected to covenantal relationship and the law. First Samuel chapter 16, verse number 1, tells us the story about Saul and David. And Samuel is mourning because Saul is not being the leader he needs to be. And God rejects him, and so Samuel is feeling despondent about that. And God tells him, you fill your horn with oil, and you go, I'm going to send you to where you need to go. And so he goes to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, and when he gets there, he calls Jesse to have him bring before him all of his sons. And so Jesse does that. He calls them to this sacrifice, and he, Samuel looks on every son. And he said, this is not the one. And he goes through every single one of them. The scripture is talking about every single son gets to the end. And Samuel says unto Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. So he was forgotten. Um, he was keeping the sheep. And Samuel said, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. He was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So in the Old Testament, you have references like the spirit of the Lord came upon him and was upon him from that day forward, not in him. So there's a difference in significance in terms of how the spirit would operate and work in the Old Testament 
and the New Testament. So David is anointed. The anointing of God, what he's going to need, <laughs> is upon him when Samuel anoints him with oil in front of his family. And so the difficulties that he's going to face, he's going to need the anointing of God. But the anointing did not solve David's problems. There were triumphs and there were tragedies. The anointing is something that is necessary, but there's still personal responsibility that comes into play with this. David in his life had some triumphs. He defeated Goliath. He became a hero in Saul's army. And yet at the same time, King Saul became jealous of David's success. And David was forced to flee and live the life of an outlaw until Saul's death. And so David was operating under the leadership of a tyrant, and he needed the anointing of God. That was a tragedy. David became king of Judah and then king of the united 12 tribes of Israel, and yet he also committed adultery with Bathsheba, who became pregnant. So the anointing of God in his life did not stop obstacles and problems and giants. He conquered Jerusalem, but he also arranged the death of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. Tragedy. David brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, but he also confessed and repented his sin, and God forgave him, but Bathsheba's child died. This was a tragedy. God made a covenant with David, promising that his throne would last forever, and yet David failed to discipline his sons. His son Amnon committed the sin of rape and incest. He was murdered by David's son Absalom. Absolute tragedy. David defeated the Philistines, but David's son Absalom led a rebellion in an attempt to usurp David's throne. God called David a man after God's own heart, and yet David's beloved son Absalom was murdered and David's throne was restored. It was bitter victory for a heartbroken father. The anointing of God was upon him from that day forward, and yet there were things that came in his way that were absolutely uh, devastation to him and his family. He defeated Moab, Ammon, and Syria, bringing lasting peace to Israel, but he ignored Joab's advice and took a national census through pride, numbering the people. And because of that, God responded. His unauthorized census resulted in a de deadly plague which infected the people, and David was responsible for that. Innocent people, and David was responsible for that. To save his people from judgment of a deadly plague, he offered to sacrifice himself and to relinquish God's covenant promise that his throne would endure forever. There were tragedies in David's life. He received a vision on Mount Moriah and divine instructions to build God's sacrificial altar there. And yet at the same time, he wanted to build Yahweh a house in Jerusalem. And God told David that he could not build the temple because he was a man of blood. There were, there were triumphs in David's life, but there were also great, great tragedies. And the anointing of God, when he was anointed, was, was upon him from that day forward. Giants don't disappear just because of God's anointing. They are still there and they have to be dealt with. This opposition that the disciples faced, Peter and John, and the rest of the early church, it was not going to go away, but they had to plow through that 
through the empowerment of the Holy Ghost that was a catalyst to move them to action. God doesn't solve our problems for us as the musicians prepare tonight. He empowers us to do what we could not otherwise do on our own. I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't make it on my own. I couldn't face what I'm going through on my own. I couldn't go back and deal with some things in my past on my own. There's been emotional trauma that has occurred in my life that is only coming up to the surface now and it's been buried for years and years and years and now it's coming to the surface and it's putting me in disarray and all kinds of circumstances. I couldn't do it on my own. I can't deal with this on my own but I'm telling you the Holy Ghost can empower you to face those giants and to face those obstacles and difficulties. You know what the world does? The world buries themselves in pharmaceuticals, alcohol and drug to try to numb the pain and hope somehow that they can go through life. That's like an ostrich sticking its head in the sand. Sometimes these things, they don't crop up. It, it crops up years down the road. But when it crops up, what are you going to do? I'll tell you what you should do. You should run to the house of the Lord and an altar and say, I need the empowerment of the Holy Ghost to help me through this. It's not going to take away the pain, but it's going to help me get through the pain. It's not going to remove the suffering, but it's going to help me overcome my situation. The Holy Ghost is going to empower me. There is no one-time quick fix. There's not. There's not. I don't, I don't care how wise and how smart you think you are. There are some things that takes hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. Healing is hard work. I said, healing is hard work. It's hard work. I was talking to an apostolic family therapist, and it became the impetus for the inspiration for this message, along with sitting down and talking to people who have described horrible things. Humanity left on its own can do just flat out evil. And he told me Apostolics are some of the hardest people to work with because they think a spiritual outpouring equals problem solved. And they won't do what is asked of them. Praise God. There's some things that are just hard work. Hard work. And what's going to help me is the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost doesn't solve it, take it away. The outpouring doesn't equal the problem solved. The outpouring gives me the power to face the problem. Praise God. These people in our text... 
They said, God, we're not, we're not asking you for to take away the persecutors because they're not going anywhere. They were there when you were on earth and they persecuted you until they killed you. And so we're not asking that you would take them away because they're not going anywhere. But what we're praying for and what we're asking for is that there would be an anointing and an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that gives us boldness to step into that arena and say, we've got a personal responsibility to spread the gospel. And we cannot but speak what we have seen and heard. No matter what you do to us, we have a personal responsibility to keep moving forward. And so the Holy Ghost is going to give to us boldness. And the Holy Ghost is going to shake things in our lives so that we can face giants and opposition. Where is the giant, says the Holy Ghost? God is able. God is able. Where, 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 where is the difficulties that I need to face? The Holy Ghost is going to help me not run from the difficulties. Not escape from the situation. Run to this. David ran toward Goliath. And he said, you come, you, I mean, you're a pretty big dude, but you come to me with spear and a sword, but I come to you in something that is greater. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. Some of you are facing giants. They're big, they're ugly, and they're far, far greater in capacity and power than you are. But you got something that's with you that is greater than all of that. The name of the Lord is with you, and the empowerment of the Holy Ghost allows you to face every difficulty and say, I can make it through this. John chapter 3 and verse 34, speaking of Jesus, as we stand together in the house of the Lord tonight. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God hath not, hath, for God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus had the spirit immeasurably in his life. And yet he gives to us an example of being responsible. Despite being full of the Spirit, he still prays. He still fasts. He still preaches. He still teaches. He still suffers. He still overcomes. He's rejected. He's persecuted. His own reject him. His closest disciples turn away from him. But he leaves to us. I'm taking personal responsibility of one who is empowered by the Spirit of God. I'm taking action to face my circumstances. Praise God. This needs to be a foothold in your life. Because for some reason we've created a, a set of feelings that if I just have a good we, we craft sayings like this what you need is a good gully washer we say it like that we say what you need is you need to pray through and, and, and that's fine but praying through in the gully washer is not going to solve the problem that's, 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 that's the whole point to the message here tonight. But pastor, I got a little bit of pressure of God that went home to hell. 
I thought God was going to take care of the problem. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> but what God is going to do, he's going to empower you and strengthen you to move forward, to gain some ground. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying here tonight? I know what I'm saying because I've talked to some of you. You have struggled. You've just been tossed to and fro. And now you're coming to the realization, you know what, I'm not going to be able to continue like I am unless the empowerment of the Holy Ghost helps me go back to the giants in my life and say, you're not going to control me anymore. You're not going to torment me anymore. God. We've got just a few more minutes here this, this evening. And the altar call tonight is going to be this. If you're facing some things and you need you need empowerment, I want you to come to this front, lift your hands, and I want you to pray specifically that God would empower you to overcome that problem, that issue, that difficulty, that giant, that opposition. Praise God. Step out of the pew where you are tonight and let's walk to the front and let's say that prayer for just